where in the EV world right now, there's so many cars coming on board. There's so much opportunity. I think I still have been okay in the vacation industry, but not in multifamily and not in hospitality, say the hotel side. I needed what they had already accomplished at that point to accomplish what I was envisioning. And unfortunately, majority of our vision were, was aligned and pretty good guys too. I'm sure you're like me, you gotta have integrity first. If that's not there, then forget it. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. What's up, Slick Talkers? Welcome back to another episode. And as usual, but with a little bit of a twist, I want to say one thing before we jump in, and that is one, Merry Christmas. And I hope you all had a good time with your family. And two is Happy New Year. I can't wait to see what's in store for 2023 with myself, the businesses, and of course, the podcast, but also with what's going on in your lives. I've gotten to know so many of you over the last two years. And it's just been super incredible to really connect and form a community around the show. So thank you. And speaking of two years, is officially December 27th, the day after publishing this episode, been two years since I quit my day job as a hotel manager to take on the podcast and my vacation rental management company full time. So holy cow, what a two years it's been but I couldn't be more thankful for everything you guys have done to get me to this point. From a podcast to two podcasts, to now a network of podcasts. It's been an incredible, incredible two years. Another group of people that have really made this two years possible have been our podcast sponsors. And if you listen to the show once before, you've heard their name once or twice, if not multiple times. And so a big shout out and thank you to Hostfully, who has been with me for pretty much the full two years for really believing in the message and the podcast in itself and in me. And then we added Safely not too long after that and Minute this year. These three have really made the podcast amazingly possible, and I couldn't be more thankful to these companies because not only do I use them in my property management company, but I've actually gotten to know the teams behind the scene and just know they're incredible people. So check out all the special offers in the show notes below, and let's get back to the episode with Eric Broughton from OK to Charge. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And I am brought to you by a legend today because Eric Broughton, who is the CEO of OK to Charge, has joined me. And Eric, my man, I was so excited to have you on the show because we connected pretty quickly in Vegas. And thankfully to Lino and to Travis Wilburn for making that introduction. But just want to say welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, any intro from those two guys, we were probably likely to become quick friends. So absolutely. Yeah, no, it was awesome. And they were definitely hyping you up, but the hype does not disappoint because getting to chat with you and hear more about your background and to to read more about you and what you've done in the past is pretty impressive. And I, I want to dive into your story today for all the listeners, because obviously we'll touch on okay to charge and what you guys are doing um, for the vacation rental industry right now. But 
I think your pathway here is super important and it showcases like the entrepreneurial spirit that everyone in this industry has. And so I'll let you kick it off. Like, where does this all begin for you in your professional career? Um, I have tons of questions for you. So I'll let you kind of start off the, the introduction and then kind of ease into it there. Yeah, right. So so first off, you have Eric Rotten, CEO of OK to Charge, EV charging platform. Uh, we don't have to talk about that too much. But yeah, as far as my background, I mean, it probably goes back all the way to me living on a farm growing up. And it was just get work done. I was I was on a, a panel a couple of weeks ago. And so was, well, how do you, you know, when you're stuck in a situation, how do you just push through? And it, it's kind of one of those epiphanies. I thought, well, I grew up in this farm and I have to do this job. And my dad says, do this work, clean out this pen, you know, shovel this manure and do all this work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's no one to turn to and go and complain or cry or anything else. You just got to get that work done before you can come in the house and have dinner and hang out and watch Dukes of Hazard or something. You know, <laughs> so you, ha- yeah. you have to get after it. And I think that's just been a mindset ever since I've been a small, you know, probably five, six, seven, eight years old, just get after it get take care of things that need to be taken care of and then you can have some fun and that's kind of kind of way i look at things i love it and you know i don't tell this story often but that was actually not one of my first jobs my first job was little caesars i was a sign flipper on the side of the street like i would be dancing along with my sign but before i like oh it was it was fun and you just put on some michael jackson or whatever and you pop (laughs) out um but uh, one of my first jobs, like before, like I got into my adult life was I was making a hundred bucks a week shoveling horse crap out of horse stalls. So oh, I, uh, I, 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 I get that, that struggle of like, <laughs> all right, there's no one here to, no one else here to do it. You just got to get it done. Um, That's the thing. So, yeah. yeah. I love, so how does that apply to your life getting into your career? Cause you have an extensive yeah. career, um, mm-hmm. getting multiple companies from startup mode to IPO, right to um, your last position before taking over this uh, okay to charge um, your mm-hmm. um, with inhabit IQ. So kind of walk us through the beginning phases of your career kind of leading up into today. Yeah, it was uh, I'm electrical engineer by schooling. One of these degrees say that. <laughs> and then um, and uh, went to work in a steel mill in Kingman, Arizona. And it was it's always about choosing. I've always chosen the path of kind of most entrepreneurial, the latest and greatest technology. So I had the opportunity to go work for Boeing or for, you know, Northrop Grumman or for some of these large ship, IBM or different companies, electrical engineer. But I chose a steel mill because it was the first steel mill built in the United States in about 20 years. And it was built uh, in 1995 and it had all this great technology. So I went in there as a plant engineer and uh, really helping them manage different processes. In about three months, I became a shift manager I'm managing, you know, these grizzly 50 year old, you know, steel workers and, and I'm this 25 year old kid. Fortunately, I just got them playing football. So I was in pretty good shape so I can go around toe to toe with them. Uh, but then uh, I got the work done and I was able to figure out how to work with their IT systems to reduce their changeover uh, from about 15 minutes from switching from rebar to rebar to about three minutes by using software systems. Like this is great. Dang. Yeah, it, it saved the company a ton of money. And they said, well, do you want to run the IT department? I thought, well, that sounds a lot better than, you know, getting steel dust in my face, <laughs> you know, wearing yeah. gloves and everything. So I get to sit in the desk all day. So I started writing code and uh, when I, I became really an entrepreneur first, I think, which is an important mm-hmm. thing 
for a lot of people to think about it. And I, when I mentor, can you, uh, can you, can you explain that a little bit or what that is, what an entrepreneur is instead of an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's being an employee of a company and taking a step back and saying, you know, what can I do that's going to influence this business in a positive way? Uh, but first you have to understand how the business makes money, where the opportunities are, and you have to do it within the confines of the business. You just can't wake up and say, I'm going to do a new business line. And what I was able to do is network within, it was Cargill Steel. The company is North Star Steel, but there's big, it was a, it was the largest private company in the world at the time. And uh, they also had an energy trading division, met some guys. And when I was running the IT systems, I learned that, uh, you know, Enron was a big issue. This is the late 99, 98, 99. And figured out that when we were, when our electric arc furnace plant went down, we basically had lightning in a bottle. So we're melting steel, uh, really scrap metal down. And you have about, say, about 25,000 homes using this much electricity uh, in, uh, in Arizona. And I figured out whenever the mill went down, we could sell that electricity. So I'd send a note uh, to Cargo Corporate to sell the electricity in the open market. We made more money selling electricity than making steel in a couple months. And that's where... You know, I was like, wow, you know, got some write-ups in these magazines and things. That was pretty exciting. Uh, but uh, that's kind of, it kind of stuck at, hey, I can, I can create some meaningful value here by just thinking outside the box. Well, I want to ask you a question then, because yeah. um, there was this podcast. I don't think it's still around today, but I used to listen to it. It's called Born or Made. And um, I want to know, do you feel like entrepreneurs are born the way they are and naturally born entrepreneurial? Or are they mm. made through something like going through a, an experience at a job where it's like you see a gap in your business that you're already being employed by um, to then kind of fulfill that? Do you feel like you were born or made to do it? I, I was probably consulting too long. So I'm going to say it, 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 it varies. There's a matrix of born and made. I'm going to say um, you're, you can be born an entrepreneur because you're a born competitor and you want to win. And you don't like anyone else managing you or bossing you around. That's like a born <laughs> an yeah. entrepreneur. And there's the made entrepreneur. Uh, and I'm, I, I put myself more in the made camp in that you're, you're, you're born a certain way. But as you look around, you say, I want that or I can achieve mm -hmm. that. And then you, you're one thing I am is constantly curious. And I would say that I was born curious, but I've become an entrepreneur. I could have easily become a scientist or an engineer and stuck in that, in that field. But an entrepreneur you're more made because you keep on seeing different things and you, and you uh, grasp onto them. No, I love that. And I, you know, it's a, it's really interesting because I have some people that, you know, they completely say like, Oh, I was made to be an entrepreneur. Like this was what yeah. I was born to do. Um, or yeah, not made. Sorry. I was born to be an entrepreneur. Like this was my life yeah. from the get go. I was seven years old selling candy at my school. Like, you know, like whatever. Um, right. but then like some people are like, kind of like you, like, you know, I had a traditional path whether it was college and developing a career or whatever just had and also had that instilled like work ethic in the beginning um when you're shoveling horse manure or cow manure or whatever like right. yeah that's kind of that that kind of gets instilled into you right um, right and then you see like this gap in opportunity where it's like i think the curiosity like you just said is really important mm -hmm. because yeah. i think when you stop becoming curious as a as a business owner or leader um that's mm -hmm. kind of when it starts to kind of fade out and go away, but right. Yeah. Yeah. And your exposure as well. What are you exposed to uh, myself growing up? I, I thought the most important person in the world and you know, my world, I grew up in South Dakota, the plant manager, 
boy, yeah. if you can be the plant <laughs> manager, you have just reached the pinnacle. You know, that's the, that was the guy that the one Mercedes in town that was driving around. <laughs> that's what that guy had, you know? So that was, and then I get off to college and I see another world and then I mm-hmm. moved to Arizona and then I was recruited to, actually to Chicago to be an Oracle consultant. So I was working in Oracle mm-hmm. technology, moved to Chicago and then my world just blew apart even more because I was able to see all these different, you know, I mean, heck, you're, you're working in the Sears Tower or you're working, you know, at, at one magnificent mile, then your brain changes. And, and mm-hmm. probably a really big project that I had, I was a data architect uh, for Northern Trust. And that's a, a, the wealth management division is very large within Northern Trust. So I was actually uh, uh, designing data systems for like the Bush family, uh, Wayne Gretzky, uh, Jamie Foxx, wow. people like that. And, um, and it was fascinating to see how wealth was transferred. And I was still pretty young at the time, probably my late twenties, but to see that how some people made more money, made more money than I made in a year by sweeping their accounts overnight and making interest. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, that's quite a, quite a thing to have. I was going to say that's, year. that's like a whole nother episode for a podcast. I think uh, <laughs> that's insane though. Like, what did that do for you? Did that change? Like, did you the next day just completely be like, all right, I'm no longer going to accept like, this paycheck type of income, I'm going to start trying to figure out um, other ways to make money or, or did that take a little little bit of, yeah, there's a little bit of that. I mean, it's um, it wasn't quite being a five-year-old at a major league baseball game and I'm going to be a baseball player, you know, like it wasn't quite like that. Like, Hey, I'm going to be George Bush someday or Wayne Gretzky (laughs) or one of these, you know, ultra wealthy people, but it taught me to think a little bit differently about how money is used. I mean, there was, Try to build a data structure that supports artwork next to a 401, not even 401k, they're a bit past that, but like large mutual funds to investments, to horses, to cars, to land, you know, and you try to build all that. So I was almost on the technology side and a little bit of that. But one thing it really helped me to do is based on that, that background, I was able to get my next project with Archipelago. And that was a, a, a brilliant group in Chicago that bought the Pacific Stock Exchange. Uh, See so if you remember that movie uh, that Will Smith was in, um, um, what was it called? The Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, yeah, so he's yeah. sitting on the steps of the Pacific Stock Exchange. That's now shut down. This group in Chicago bought it. And then what they did is they took it all virtual. And that was one of the first virtual stock exchanges. So I was able to lead some projects there uh, for them. And that and that they were eventually acquired by the New York Stock Exchange. So I was able to work with Steve Rubinow, the CIO, who became the CIO of New York Stock Exchange, just all the transactions and all that was pretty exciting. And, um, and it was all about these different opportunities that kind of help you level up. And while I was doing that, I also became president of Chicago's Oracle user group. Uh, so I was working with that group, leading that. I even had a meeting at the Sears Tower. So that was kind of a, hey, take a, you know, this may have been before selfies. <laughs> hey, mom, <laughs> look at me at the Sears Tower. I'm leading a meeting. You know, that's pretty cool. Yeah, six six floor. Uh, when you're feeling the sway. Uh, so that was pretty yeah. fun. But um that's where I actually met a gentleman that was with Amley Residential, AMLI, who was just bought by Morgan Stanley Real Estate for $2.5 billion. So Amley was bought by Morgan Stanley. And, and he was in the meeting and he said in my Oracle user group meeting, and he, hey, Eric, you know, we just got acquired. Morgan Stanley wants to use our technology and apply it across their $100 billion asset center management. Would you like to be one of the leaders of the team? So I joined as the president and COO. It's really like a consultative in, uh, team. And it was kind of an entrepreneur once again. So we were being consultants mm-hmm. 
within their portfolio projects. And that was my first foray into real estate. Uh, so that was, mm-hmm. I guess my point of that story is it's really just these s- separate incidents that helped me level up, but it was a lot of it was just me raising my hand. You know, no one said, Hey, here's a job opening for president of Chicago reviews group. It was, yeah. I went to a couple of meetings. I gave us a couple of presentations and the guy pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, I'm getting pretty old. I'm getting tired of this. Do you want to lead it? You know? So I was like the vice president for a year and then I took it over and that was, that gave me the opportunity for the next role. Well, that was a perfect segue of my, cause my question for you was going to be how the hell did you get into real estate and this world <laughs> of short-term rentals? But that answered exactly. it perfectly. So yeah. what was the biggest learning and takeaway in that position? Kind of being an entrepreneur again, uh, did you, well, I have a kind of, a part two yep. question for that, I guess. Did you recognize that you were an entrepreneur at the time or did you just see this as a really good opportunity to continue to grow into your professional career and kind of like as another milestone? And then yeah. what was the biggest learning away from that um, as you were in that position through at the time that you were there? Right, right. No, great question. It, I did learn to be, I learned that I was still an entrepreneur because I was still risk averse. Uh, I had uh, three young children at the time, you know, three daughters, as I mentioned, they're all in college right now. So that's a different problem to have. But uh, <laughs> at the time I had three young daughters, so I was very risk averse. Maybe one was on the way, you know, that type of thing. And yeah. uh, and I wasn't, and I grew up from meager backgrounds, so I didn't have the family. Oh, hey, dad, could I borrow a million bucks to start this business? It wasn't like, or even 10,000. It wasn't yeah. like that. So it was kind of more conservative uh, financially a mindset. So I was still the entrepreneur. So that was a huge opportunity to be able to build a consulting group from the ground up. And that's where it was really helpful because I had to look at financials, you know, even setting up QuickBooks for the small group. Mm-hmm. Even though we were within Morgan Standard Real Estate, we had to go and eat what we kill. You know, we had a, mm-hmm. a pitch to Safeguard Self Storage became a client, a couple more, all within Morgan Stanley's portfolio. And we were deploying these large ERPs and different things. But uh, another big thing that it taught me is, is uh, even a big company like Morgan Stanley can get, uh, you know, financial, it can be in financial trouble. And this was right around 2006 when I started our 2007. So then 2008 comes financial crisis, you know, everything's whirling down and, yeah. um, and they shut up, shut us down. Basically I had, to, I had to release most of my team members. They did change our charter so we could sell externally, but that's when I switched from being an entrepreneur to an entrepreneur. And that's, mm-hmm. that was the big change is uh, I had to go out and hustle. And uh, I, I went back to what I knew which is I, I landed a big Oracle contract with the Port of Oakland. So there's Seaport, Airport, and commercial real estate. So I've got that project. Um, made about, I had about $10 million in, in uh, revenue for that project. But then I uh, started uh, doing what I thought would be taken off, which was data warehousing, which I knew, in real estate. So multifamily, uh, did these other projects like Safeguard doing ERP. But I thought, and I called it Yield Vision. I'm going to build software as a service, Data warehouse can be awesome. And I software as a service was big for me because Mark Benioff, who you, everyone knows now is CEO of Salesforce. Salesforce mm-hmm. was kind of new back then. And he gave a seminar in uh, Chicago. There's only about 50 of us in the, in the room. So I had like a one-on-one listening to Mark Benioff. Yeah. I'm like, that's, crazy. Ah. So that's the way, you know, recurring revenue, hit it, hit it, hit it. Cause I've been doing all these consulting projects and I, and took some of this, uh, you know, database administration, system administration, kind of fractional usage of something and, and apply this to software. I said, wow, there's something here. So the first thing I try to do is create software as a service with data warehousing. The problem was 
I was asking these real estate companies to spend $250,000 to set up a data warehouse. They'd say, no way, we're not spending that. Because if you're in real estate, 250 grand or 100 grand, I'll put that in real estate. And then, you know, a couple of years later, and then the rule of that 20X, they're going to get so much more money on the, on the profit there. So they just didn't want to. Uh, mm -hmm. So I had about three clients there, shut that down. But then I also saw what was the first thing to come out of the come out of the recession uh, or that recession at the time, financial yeah. crisis was going to be apartments. And that's where people were moving into apartments. It, now it's kind of normal, but it was still not as normal. Everyone still had the, the, the white picket fence and the, the two car garage. That was still the American dream. Apartments mm -hmm. were kind of coming coming up. So put more money in that. And I found out the biggest spot with little visibility was marketing. They were, they were writing $1,000, $2,000 checks per multifamily property to apartments.com and rent.com and not knowing why or if it's working or not. Uh, so we started to track every email, every phone call, every click through. Uh, and that was Rent Sentinel is what that was called. And believe it or not, we found out that the most cost effective site, even for Class A properties, was Craigslist. It was insane. Wow. Like, took <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> Of all the sites, Craigslist took off. Yeah, exactly. And and we were getting, we were helping places in uh, New York City. They were getting five thousand dollars a month for an apartment, which is a lot at the time. Now it's pretty low, but they were. Yeah. Somebody found on Craigslist for five thousand a month. Yeah, you know, and we'd put catchy headlines, you know, you know, find this, put in some pop songs or something, you know, get this, get this apartment with the boots with the fur, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> just, you know, just have fun with it. And we, and then uh, we did some cool things. We had a, we had a, a group of about twenty uh, stay-at-home military uh, spouses uh, that mm -hmm. would write up content for us and do different things wow. and grab pictures. So it was, it was a really fun project. And then we, that was my first exit. Uh, sold that company to RealPage, um, uh, which is yeah. uh, based out of Dallas, Texas. Yeah, yeah, and RealPage I think is not maybe as popular in the short term rental world, but they have their their mentions, right? They get they have Migo, yeah. and they they've done some. Right. Uh, they they, had, they sold Kigo. Well, yeah, they sold Kigo now to Guesty, yeah. right? I think Guesty bought That's it. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they kept Migo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they 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 keep they keep uh, they keep their name. You know, mentioned uh, throughout yeah. the 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 year or so, every now and then. But sold the Toma Bravo wow. for ten billion. Yeah, just a yeah, just a nice little check there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Sheesh. Yeah. Uh, so, so your first exit to RealPage, mm -hmm. what did that do for you personally? Like, did you? What I I guess not like on a financial mean. I know there's obviously yeah. the financial upside of of an yep. exit, but. From just mindset to personal like growth, what what was the biggest feeling you had? Did you have like a sense of like relief afterwards, or did you feel like you just had to hit the ground running on another project? What kind of happened in the the next phase after that? It was the latter, it hit the ground running, and it wasn't exactly the next project. Uh, next thing was I still hadn't shaken that shaken that entrepreneur mindset. I still felt yeah. like hey, I had to compete and. So I so I came on to RealPage as a leader of a small group initially, and then within the, the first two years, I became president of the of the marketing division. So I took Rent Sentinel and about five other uh, companies that they had acquired and merged that uh, and made it more productive as a as a division called Lease Star. Uh, so it was other marketing platforms and, and built some other uh, components. And I've always wanted to innovate, or I always need to innovate. So I kept on creating new concepts and products, which doesn't always play well in very large corporations, you know, especially in a yeah. positive one. Uh, so I would really, 
it's like, what is that BASF? They say we take great products and make them better. You know, that's, that's basically what I had to end up doing and said, said, okay, I shouldn't, I can't innovate as much. Or I shouldn't innovate as much. Instead, I should take the acquisitions they spent tens of millions of dollars on and make them slightly better, you know, make a better client experience. So that's really what I focused on. And how long did you do that before you ended up going to do your, your next entrepreneurial? Yes, yeah, yeah. so that was about two years. And then I was recruited away uh, by a group in uh, San Antonio. Uh, so there was uh, Red McCombs uh, put some money into a fund. Uh, and there's a couple of their gentlemen that, that were mostly in the automotive industry. And they had dipped their toe into the real estate side. And that was that uh, uh, group purchasing. But it was really more of, uh, it's called e-supply systems. They wanted a CEO. And I, I was always thought that, uh, you know, Red McCombs, who's the namesake for the business school at, at University of Texas, just brilliant guy. So the chance to work with his team was really exciting. And um, joined them. And uh, I still lived in Chicago, so I kept on transferring, traveling back and forth. But the, it was a platform that, think of like Amazon.com, but for a single apartment building, you're buying your refrigerators and your coffee machines over your, you know, over your shoulder and, uh, yeah. and, and carpeting and then paint and everything else. And, um, and you restrict that for your maintenance tax. So it's an easy button. And then mm -hmm. just over and over and over again and, and create some major savings. And, um, but there was, there was a lot of fundamental issues with that company when I came in as far as the structure. And so unfortunately uh, I had to turn over about 70% of the staff because that's wow. another theme. I've always made sure I'm always surrounded by really great people that are really, really excited to, to move forward. Uh, so yeah. I was able to get the team aligned, made some lifelong friends there and, um, and made it a profitable entity. But the, but the growth trajectory wasn't there. Uh, so I exited that to RealPage as well. Got the investors. That, I mean, it was to the point where they were, might lose everything. So I was able to get it turned around to get them their money back and then some. And that's you know a good way to make friends is to <laughs> save them from losing lots of money. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, at the end of the day, they're probably super thankful that you came in and did that because yeah. you know yeah. there's nothing I can, I can only imagine attending all these board meetings and be like, man, this company, like, I want to believe in it. I invested in it, but man, it's not right. really doing its thing. Like, exactly, right. exactly. Yeah. And, and me as a, how I communicate, especially even to a board, most especially to a board, I do not pull any punches. I'm always lay it all out. I, I don't need to sell them on anything. I'm just, this is what it is. That's what I believe. And then, you know, bring them the problem, but also tell them, here's what I'm going to do a solution. And they're really responsive to that, which really helped. Uh, but, uh, That's awesome. you know, I, probably another reason is I had this concept and it was the vacation industry. Uh, you know, short-term rentals. This is kind of my foray into that. I was at these conferences with my platform, eSupply Systems, mm -hmm. and I heard uh, this gentleman, his name is Jaja Jackson uh, with uh, Airbnb. Have you ever met Jaja? Yeah. I've never met, I, I've heard his name mentioned a couple of yeah. times. So just a definitely. great guy, you know, Harvard educated, a brilliant, brilliant individual, but he's, and this is a big, but he's at these, <laughs> Uh, you know, multifamily conferences talking about Airbnb and he's effusive about it. He's so excited. Hey, isn't it awesome that Airbnb and Airbnb just had an announcement this last week about they're back at it. But this was seven, yeah. eight years ago. He said, yeah. isn't it great that your residents uh, are able to list their apartments on Airbnb? Isn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. And they're all saying, no, that's terrible. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? You know, number one, we get no money out of this. Number two, we don't know who's coming and going. Number three, you know, the liability is still on us and our residents are making money that they're violating their leases, all these bad yeah. things. Uh, and it just didn't play well. So he was ostracized and, and I watched that happen. And I thought, you know what, there's a better way to do this. Uh, so I mm -hmm. interviewed a bunch of execs after I exited 
e-spy systems and talk, look, what do you want? What would be good? And basically it's, well, we need better occupancy. It's, you know, better, just like anywhere else. They had vacant units and I said, okay, we'll put some furniture in there, work with the court furniture. What other, what else do you need? Oh, we need to make sure that we don't have, you know, uh, bad actors in there. All right, I'll do background checks. So the partnership with TransUnion did background checks. Uh, We don't need to do finance because they pay up front. Uh, And they said, well, you know, well, what if somebody lights a candle and it burns my apartment down, you know, a building, it's 200 units. And I said, okay, I'll get insurance. So I partnered with Assurant, put together an insurance package. You know, I hadn't met like Rental Guardian or Brady and the crew yet or any of that. So I didn't even know it existed. Uh, So did that. And I started to build the platform up uh, and uh, that became Apartment Jet. And what we didn't know is we built really a rudimentary property management system uh, really quickly. And, um, you know, I remember I was at a, a corporate housing event and I, and I saw the flyer for Streamline and I said, oh, my God, what? Why do we build this? I could have just used this thing. But, you know, but instead we built it from scratch, but we built it in about six months. We just cranked it out and syndicate to Verbo and Airbnb. And, and uh, it was pretty fun. Well, dang, I, I have so many. <laughs> There's so many directions. Yeah, ask anything. Yeah. Uh, I won't violate my you know agreements, but yeah, I'll tell no. you. <laughs> no, no, no. But man, that's super impressive, and I just think, you know, just it. I see like the combination of the entrepreneur slash entrepreneur. Like as you're talking, just like seeing like, all right, Jaw Jaw Jackson like getting ostracized with this multi-family event, uh, yeah. and then you're like, well, no, it's a good idea. He's just kind of maybe coming at it the wrong way or exactly. not thinking about like who his audience is and what their concerns are. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's still, and like, you, you know, you said, uh, we, we talked about it this week on, um, good morning hospitality, but it was like, mm-hmm. okay, the, uh, apartment spot, uh, with Airbnb, it sounds like Nito yeah. all over again, which was a, a yeah. huge failure of a, a disaster project for them. Yeah. Um, did you know involved. that so apartment jet actually was the system behind Nito? Oh, really? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, I did absolutely. not know that. So the platform I, the, my team built, we were we were the back end for Nito because no one else had anything like it because we had yeah. the apartment industry. Yeah, yep. So we were the we were powering it, and uh, the concept. You know, there's many reasons that you can read and uh, you yeah. know <laughs> legal and yeah. otherwise, but we were we yeah. were uh, we were on the plus side of that. Uh, but there's so many things now that are that are in better shape, such as access control is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, latch was part of it um, was a was a big issue if you didn't have that integration. Um, yep. But we had it dialed in. You know, we were able to support them. And then the big thing is the syndication. But with Nito, they would only syndicate to Airbnb because there was so much yep. funding from Airbnb. Yep. And, and that's, you know, as we know in our industry in vacation, you know, is that what's that 40 percent? maybe 50% of your list bookings. How mm-hmm. well are you doing if you're only going going with 50%? So, you know, among many other items. Yeah. yeah. Well, I met a lot of Nito hosts, like the tenants that lived there slash that had, and man, they're, they're hustlers, but they had no, it wasn't the, the technology or the, um, it wasn't that issue. It was the issue of lack of support. Like they were just like, Hey, we, we literally are cleaning five apartments in one day. And, and, we're getting getting our rents are, are going above than we ever make. Like we make no money now, and we're just cleaning right. for free. Like correct, it, yeah. And it just became something that was so, yeah, out of hand. So, but outside of that, back to mm-hmm. you in the apartment. Yeah, no, it's uh, fine. Yeah, it's a fascinating no, it's topic. Like, I've been there's been a lot of conversation coming my way last week, as you can imagine. Well, I I can I can imagine a lot. So with apartment jet, 
you guys build this infrastructure you you again come in solving a or solving a problem with a, a proper solution all right yep. what do you need furniture great what do you need after that technology great we could do that mm -hmm. what do you need like da -da 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 -da, just hitting all the check boxes that you can yep now operations are, are happening you guys are you guys are cranking tell us about the acquisition from expedia group so expedia comes in and right they, they came in nice. after how long how long after you guys were running this business 18 months <laughs> oh wow yeah it was so Jeez. fast yeah it was so fast we were we were cranking up and um initially they came in as wow you guys are doing some great things let's talk about how we can improve the processes mm. there um, mainly because once we set up our verbal integration, they would see these ADRs that were 180, 200% higher than what they're normally getting. We were getting 250 bucks a night because we're in Austin, yeah. we're in Nashville, we're in Chicago. And they're yeah. saying, wow, look at this. How do we get more of this? You know, and urban core was really the kind of the hot thing. Uh, so they kept on looking at that data. And they said, wow, look at it. And then, and then what happens to most groups is, especially when you have your financial analysts going, what's the total addressable market? Well, in the apartment industry, it's 20 million units in the United States. So mm -hmm. people can do pretty quick math and go, oh my God, look how much opportunity is there. Uh, yeah. So they took a look at us. And, and you know, we were, we were pretty small at the time, obviously. And we were thinking about a fundraise. And when someone comes along and offers you uh, a buyout number that's probably about two x of what you even thought your next fundraise, you know, exit was or you know valuation was going to be. You got to take yeah. it, you know, for the investors. So we were able to get uh, one of my invest, you know, get a lot of Christmas cards, which is good. But uh, I was able to get you know a lot, a lot of our investors in a little over a year, three and a half x return on their money, Jeez. which is unheard of. So, yeah. It's insane to think about, like especially especially leading up to it, like. There's so yeah. many cool stories that you've gotten to experience and, and hit on. So you, I think you took a little bit of a break, right? After apartment jet, a little before bit getting into a little, yeah. A little, well, first break, the, like first maybe I, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks. Exactly. Well, first I went right into when I, when Expedia group acquired us, uh, then yeah. I was able to manage, uh, I still had, I don't know. I'm always a guy. I always got something to prove. I don't know until <laughs> someday be president of the United States. Be like, it's not good enough, you know, whatever. It's not good. <laughs> got to work harder. <laughs> why am I? Why am I not Elon Musk? But, uh, <laughs> but <a good> way. <laughs> you know, so I always have a chip in my shoulder. But uh, uh, Expedia Group managed uh, Apartment Jet, but also they acquired a group called Pillow at the same time, which is more focused on that resident yeah. side. So I managed both those groups and created actually a branded division called Expedia Group Multifamily Solutions. So we're trying to bring that that whole course. That was pretty fun, creating a whole division with Expedia. And then the financial not financial crisis, uh, pandemic uh, hit. Yeah. And uh, even that, we we fought to the bitter end to keep a We we um, pivoted our product. We created um, it was uh, what do we call it Flex. Maybe it was Alert or something. We created a, a, a flexible housing for uh, um, uh, first responders. Uh, flex first. So it's like first, if because you needed nurses and, and uh, ambulance drivers and, and first yeah. first responders in New York City. Uh, so we were trying to pivot that, but it was just too 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 late for everything. So they, and a uh, new CEO came in, shut things down. Uh, so yeah, you're right. I took I took about a week or two off, and um, and I had been I had been pinged by and I talked to Inhabit IQ uh, while I was at yeah. Inhabit uh, while I was at Expedia Group about a leadership role. And timing wasn't right. They were working on investment. And then, yeah. uh, so I took a little bit more time. 
and I was looking at different entrepreneurial things, you know, on my whiteboard uh, at home in my office, like, this is a cool concept, this is a cool concept, and a bunch of other conversations that I had going on. But uh, Inhabit just seemed so enticing to me because I was, it had the residential side, which I'd spent a lot of my career, and it had the vacation side, which is fascinating, you know, the roll up of Streamline and Live Res and, and Blue Tent and all these great groups. I thought, wow, this is great. And the, the plan was, is that I would come on board as this uh, chief strategy, no, uh, is that right? Yeah, chief strategy officer. It's funny, I've already forgot. So I came <laughs> on in that role. But the the plan was within, you know, take over the, you know, manage the vacation division with Scott. Do it, and he was mm-hmm. great. Or he is great. And then take over the residential, you know, bring in some leadership there. And then, and then build up, uh, you know, take over the whole company as CEO and take it public. And then, uh, so get in the door, get vacation. And that was fun because as you know, those are some great companies, great people, um, you know, meet like Scott Leggett and like Carlos and, and all the different, you know, Amber and all these great people in these different groups. And Scott was outstanding and, um, and get involved in Verma and start writing some checks, you know, getting part of it. We built that right to rent program, which really, really proud of, proud of that with the team, uh, a simple solution that's going to give back. And, um, and then started to group, uh, but it just wasn't what I expected it to be. Uh, so it was kind of, you know, this is not a fit for me as well, yeah. but on my whiteboard, I still had one of those three things was actually EV charging. Uh, it was at mm-hmm. that. So I was at an event. Um, it was a conference and I met uh, these guys, you know, Lino, like you mentioned, and I had met Lino through different things at, at different events as well. Good guy. And, um, and I think Steve Schwab introduced us. So he's going to take ownership for that. <laughs> so uh, oh, it's, he'll probably be watching. He'll comment on the live stream and say, yep, that's damn right. Damn right. I made that. I <laughs> <laughs> will. <laughs> he deserves every bit of it. Yeah. He actually, actually, it's a good story. So we're at Darm in uh, South Carolina. And Steve says, uh, hey, Eric, you know, let's talk about Streamline. I'm a big client. Let's talk about some things. And and I'm, you know, as the leader of all these groups, so I'll meet with one of our largest clients. And he's just a great guy. So we're chatting. And he let, let, let's meet the Starbucks. It was in the, and so it's right in the hotel there. We're sitting there and, oh, let me meet, introduce to these couple guys. And and I uh, introduced me to Lino. And Lino's, you know, a very, very, you know, connects with you right away. And yeah, he was, yeah, you guys should connect and have a, so Steve totally planned it all. Him and Lino had it all choreographed and <laughs> it's like, okay, all right, I see what's going on. I didn't know what it was going yeah. on, but he told me later on. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, coincidentally, this other guy is here as well. You guys should talk. Oh, yeah. Weird. So weird. weird timing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, such a great story. And I'm, I'm literally, as you were telling me the story of like inhabit, I think I had a little bit of a flashback Were you yeah. on stage at the live res conference last year uh in, in boise yeah Hello. i remember we shook we shook hands i was the mc and right. you, came, you came up and then as you were leaving like we shook hands you passed me the little clicker and off i we did went. i can't yeah. now it like so vegas wasn't the first time that we met that wow was actually, that is crazy yeah and if you insane. remember i i gave amber the worst high five ever as i walked by because yeah. <laughs> she was coming up the steps and i was going down and we were like I don't know. It was so bad. Yeah. I do remember Jessica Singer. Um, her and I were on the side of the stage. I was like, was kind of letting Amber introduce you and have you come up and all that. Um, yeah. And, and she was like, Oh, Jessica was like, uh, you gotta meet Eric. You gotta meet Eric. He's like super big at inhabit IQ. And like, I wasn't unfamiliar with inhabit, but I wasn't like, Oh yeah, I totally know what, who these people are. Like 
No offense. I was like, I have no idea who Eric is, but I was just like, okay. And Jessica was like, no, you need to. And then it was more like, okay, well, I'm emceeing. I don't know what I'm really doing. I'm just going to like go do my job. And (laughs) you were the big deal there. (laughs) No, no, not even close. But then I was just like, okay, now. So as you're telling me the story, I can't believe that was actually the first time we met. So this is crazy. It's like full circle. But okay. So you, so Steve Schwab, Lino, they do this handoff basically like, Hey, meet with us. We're a big client. And then, and really you got, you got blindsided and got Lino switched in with, with Steve and, and all this stuff. So I guess tell me, uh, actually I have a question before this, before we go, I I remember what does your wife and your daughters think when they see this crazy whiteboard of all these ideas and, and like just kind of seeing you like go from, yeah. And it's not like it's a lot of time, but a couple of years and you're, you're doing one thing and then you sell and you're exit and you have like all these success pileups. Right. Yeah. So from like a personal standpoint, like what, what goes on with the family? Like, do they, do they fully grasp like, Holy crap, my dad's kind of a beast or do they, they just kind of like, yeah, it's just typical, typical dad just doing, doing his thing. Like, yeah. It's a, it's a great question as a, anybody with children knows children are always grounding. You know, the, she, the, the, yeah. my daughters are not, are not, a, oh my goodness, dad, look how amazing you are. It's usually like, really, <laughs> oh, I saw you on, you know, <laughs> hey, you're on Fox News and you're, you know, biz- <laughs> are not Fox Business. I was on there. They're like, your hair looked terrible, dad. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> I get things like that. <laughs> you know, I was like, really? Oh, man. You, oh, you're speaking that again, you know, but they, they love the whiteboard. And it's usually, you know, I'll write something up there and then, you know, one of my daughters will, interject like a bullet um you know <laughs> buy me a pony or something you know it's like <laughs> you know now they're older it's like yeah buy me a you know i won't say <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. a bigger car or something like come on now yeah, buy me a Porsche. yeah they're, they're funny <laughs> about it but now they're all at college it's fun and uh and i'm kind of a ham as well so they'll 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 have me on their tiktok or something like come on dad and i'll do yeah something so i kind of I, I enjoy it it's good times they're, I, was, they're good. I was gonna say uh i i know we started following each other on instagram today did uh did i see that they correctly you you were gerald from the the witcher uh for halloween <laughs> i you, was you were the witcher okay that was an epic costume i was like <laughs> holy you. crap this like this legendary yeah. ceo entrepreneur that i'm about to interview literally yeah. has a witcher wig and costume on oh, yeah. uh, it was great it was great it's good to see that there is personality it's not all business at home oh i you gotta have fun otherwise what's the yeah. point you know so i i even got the big sword the double-handled sword and <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm a i'm a total nerd which at the fits my technology you know world so that, that it no does. one no one you know <laughs> looks down to you for that it's good it does <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious because like, so my parents, I was never, I was never like introduced to entrepreneurial like people basically mm-hmm. until, well, actually I never really clicked until after I got out of basic training for the army and stuff. And um, I think I was like 20, almost 21. And I was mm-hmm. starting to see like, like Uber was the thing. That's when I started my first business. I started like a Uber uh, chauffeur company. Um, using the platform but also like creating my own like business funnel um failed miserably but never got introduced like like i never grew up watching my parents you know my mom has a massage she's a massage therapist on her own company but like she Mm -hmm. just to her it's just work like she just does her thing it's not like she's inventing or doing anything um innovative um Mm -hmm. but for for you as a as a dad and your kids growing up watching this and now that they're Mm -hmm. 
fully aware adults, right? Like they're at college for right. different things and they're on their own humans. Um, how, do, how is that like, do you see that impacting them in a, in a positive way as an entrepreneur? Like they see like, if, okay, my dad can go do these things, then I can mm-hmm. go do this. Or do you see like they just want a normal nine to five type of career path where they're obviously mm-hmm. can scale and grow and, and develop right. um, a business, but they just, they just want to do their own thing. Do you see like any kind of difference from what you've done and what they've seen? I, I do. I do. I'll, I'll take a step back and talk about the parents first. Um, yeah. My parents were, were were both, you know, the hourly type workers. Yeah. My grandfather, both grandfathers were farmers. Uh, mm-hmm. So I didn't realize at the time, but farmers are like the ultimate entrepreneur, right? You're doing your numbers and now it's even more complicated. Do I hedge my corn bets to get my options and my futures and all these different things? So they really were entrepreneurs. They're living check to check. And if there's a storm, it's a rough time. And, and I was able to watch some of them build wealth over time by building up their land. I guess wealth is probably not the right term, but you sell this land when you retire and that's your nest egg, you know? And I saw by watching my grandparents, what they accomplished and watching my parents, what they accomplished by just working hourly. It was, it that was awakening for me. You know, I was, and I'll say my grandparents this much, my parents this much, you know, for hourly, you're not going to get, you're not going to be happy with, with life based on that. So that was a good life lesson. My grandfather said something to me, um, Early on, and 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 when I was little, he goes, "Well, Eric, if you want to get rich, you know, make money while you sleep." And that was just one of those, you know. He he said a lot of other funny things that I can't repeat on this podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) you know. But he would never know. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. What's this rated? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, we have a mature audience. Yeah. There you go. True. True. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, but but it was it's it's so true. You. If you're if you're only making what you you make while you are waking hours, you're not going to reach. And but that's fine too. And back to the question of my daughters, of my three girls, you know, one of them is um, um, very trying to be more socially. You know, she she has the opportunity. Well, as I mentioned, she's at Berkeley Law right now. She graduates yeah. in May, and she's interviewing uh, to do jobs that are. She's not going to make you know massive money and work for the big firms. She wants to support, and I'm really excited about it because she's telling about this. She had an internship this last summer uh, with the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau uh, that Elizabeth Warren started. And she's telling me about, uh, boy, maybe I <laughs> I don't violate anything, but there's some bad uh, things happening across the world. And there's people like loaning money and they're keeping the money. And she's fighting the good fight by documenting that. And, and, and that's just so amazing to see that. So there's different value. And, and, but, but without... And I'll say this without, without my ability and, and what I've accomplished, she probably wouldn't have the opportunity to do that. And then my middle daughter, uh, that's a special education major. Uh, she's actually, she's what I love is she's entrepreneurial, even in how she's thinking about, uh, she spent a summer with a special needs child and she was able to use a, an app uh, on a, on an iPad so you could communicate and use sign language, to do these things. And she's thinking about that. How can I do this entrepreneurial? And then my youngest is cybersecurity. Yeah. And she's actually an employee of one of my LLCs called R1 Ventures, where she has built the website. She's done all these cool things. Um, and she's definitely entrepreneurial and, and thinks about how, you know, she was doing the shoe game for a while and getting the Nikes and buying them for 100 and yeah. selling for 350 or whatever. So she's yeah. done some of those type of things. So, so it's all different shades of it, which is pretty exciting to watch. No, that's really cool. And the, the special needs part is really close to my heart. I have a twin brother who has Down syndrome. So uh, I always, I always love, I love here and he's very high functioning, but 
Oh, um, you know, just just seeing like there's people that like that that like little heartstring is getting tugged on, uh, wanting to create some some useful tools and for that um, yeah. segment of like there because there is business opportunities in almost oh. any way you look, shape, or form. Absolutely. Um, so it's really cool to see that and, and hear it and yeah, that's it's gotta be exciting though for you to like as a dad like you create all this. You had a massive success. I'm sure there's some failure along the way. Like this, oh, never definitely. a perfect like. That's not line, on my LinkedIn. Right? The failures are not on LinkedIn yet. <laughs> yeah, we not trust me. Neither is uh, any of mine. They're all <laughs> right. they're all hidden in my closet over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, just seeing like how that impacts and they become their own person from it. I think it's it's got to mm-hmm. be fulfilling. Whether it's like, okay she's going to be a lawyer. She's going from Berkeley, mm-hmm. but she's not going to become a big firm lawyer. She's going yeah. to do something that like personally, like fulfills her. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think as entrepreneurs, the one thing I think I've seen as a pattern is that we're all very self-aware of ourselves and kind of what's going around yeah. on around the world with us. Um, yep. And finding like, I've seen so many entrepreneurs, like they'll start something. It's not something they're passionate about. And so automatically they're like, why am I doing this? Like, this is not right. fulfilling. It, yeah, it could mm-hmm. be a great sale or it could be a great exit, but right. am I really happy with it? Yeah. No. So like right. people will walk away from millions of dollars. Um, yeah. So I, I can only imagine like how it is to see your daughters like chase something that's very uh, personally yeah. like fulfilling in that way. Um, yeah. the best feeling. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And, it, and now you're talking to harm my heartstrings because uh, they're all going to be back for Christmas here in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, you know, I'll pick up one and thursday and the, but they're all over the place so it's just yeah it's gonna be so much fun to have them all back home i'm gonna love it yeah, yeah for sure that was so cool i love it well and so back to uh lino and, and steve schwab kind of blindside and coming <laughs> yeah. at you um tell me about okay to charge what was this conversation like yeah. you were already kind of mentioned in habit iq you're like eh, it's great but it's not really my thing so you're already mm-hmm. kind of open to the idea probably of a new venture so right. kind of walk us through walk us through it and kind of what you guys are doing at okay to charge today yeah so i, I met them at a uh, well met Lino and everything but then i saw their they had a charger in one of their be home 24 7 booths and I, yeah. and I just said what are you guys doing with this thing oh it's something we're working on, on the side we've been working on it for a while getting it dialed in so well I, i've been thinking about this tell me more and the more we talked about it the more i found out that they had done a lot of this legwork that i had just start you know i was i knew i would have to do so yeah. by partnering with them, it basically saved a year's worth of time. And in a way to look at it, it's probably, you know, it, it'd be like me just getting up to speed of where I am now, you know, and uh, yeah, it's basically a year from now. Uh, so I gained that much time where in the EV world right now, there's so many cars coming board. There's so much opportunity. It's um, I think I still have been okay in the vacation industry, but not in multifamily and not in hospitality, say the hotel side. I needed what they had already accomplished at that point to accomplish what, what I was envisioning. And, uh, and fortunately majority of our, of our vision were, was aligned and pretty good guys too, you know? So that was always a good part. Yeah. That's always a key thing. You know, I'm sure you're like me, you got to have integrity first. If that doesn't, if that's not there, then forget it. You know? 100%. Um, but, 100%. but good guys. And, and then it did take us a couple months because we're both, uh, you know, a bunch of strong alphas in the room trying to figure out how to how to get our agreement done. And we finally got that across the goal line and then got after it. And I think I started April 4th. I had to stay on at um, Inhabit to close out one more acquisition 
it was a group called anyone home. So I, I had led, you know, our structured or set up a couple acquisitions, but got that across the goal line. And then I joined uh, formally, uh, you know, and officially with a, with a um, okay to charge on April 4th, but we start out on vacation and my, mm-hmm. I just hit the ground running. I was at the show. I was like, let's get libraries set up. Let's get, let's get uh, owner res. Let's get guesty mm-hmm. track. You know, I just took off the competitive hat and let's go uh, because I knew that the secret sauce would be uh, getting that dominant position land grab of, I don't want anyone else to think about another charging solution except for ours. And the best way to do that is get these property managed system integrations because no one else is going to think about it like that in uh, in vacation. And, and these guys were already thinking that way. So that was a great first step is to get that integrated and going so that, and the reason that is important is so that, you know, the right person is charging the right time. It's mm-hmm. it, when you have a couple Teslas in town and that's not, that's all well and good. There's just a couple when you have 30, 40, 50, 100 Teslas, and they find out who has the vacation home with the charger, you're going to become popular. People are going to stop in. They're going to charge in your lot, whether you like it or not. And that, <laughs> yeah. or, or they're staying. Uh, we had a client that just bought our chargers at their property in Florida. Their their electric bill went up $300. Just What happened? Well, this was even a, a Tesla charger just going to a normal outlet. It was just mm. all day, full day, just drawing down a charge. That's expensive. You know, so yeah. you got to recover those costs. Uh, people don't, you don't give free gasoline at your vacation property. So the mindset is there. Uh, so that was step one. And now what we're doing is expanding into, we're continuing to focus on vacation. And it's pretty exciting. Uh, you stopped by our, uh, our our balcony. That's where you and I chatted. Yeah. Gosh, that was so cool. That was so cool. Like, I, I was like, man, it's a little hidden, right? Like, yeah, I had to go through like two doorways to, to get to you from the Be yeah. Home, or yeah, the Be Home 24-7 um, booth. But still like getting out there i was like this is nice like it yeah. was great weather great yep. view and then you had like yep. the furniture set up the snacks yep. like it yep. it was it was slick uh and i was yep. like all right i'm glad <laughs> lino's taking me out here like this was refreshing especially because as you know as we all do at conferences have one or two many drinks uh the night before and you're, you're struggling <laughs> and you yeah. know you're in this room with a lot of people and you're like already hung over but coming outside i was like oh this is refreshing it was a great it was a yeah. great like change into the, the day, especially yeah. yeah, really good location. Love it. Spot. Well, that it's a perfect example of kind of the entrepreneurial mindset, right? Because we were too late to get a booth at Verma yeah. International, and if you're not at Verma International, I mean, good luck to you. You're not part of the conversation, yeah. And I was begging, you know, Scott Leggett, calling everybody I could. How can I get in? You know, Miller, everybody. What can I yeah. do? And then finally, they said, "Hey, you know, we kind of got this balcony thing. It was pretty spendy." And the what do you want to do with it? So how, how about we create a recharge zone or something? I mean, it fits obviously. And then, yeah. I mean, it was really a blank space. So we had Michelle Beal and the team, we all got together. We put together, uh, put together the furniture, got that all set up. I mean, it was exciting and <laughs> get that rocking and rolling and then put up, shipped a bunch of chargers and set them up, but to have a balcony. And for those listeners that weren't there, it's a balcony at Caesar's palace. We're overlooking cool called the pool of the gods just beautiful, you know, and the and your point, the weather. We we're kind of worried if it's ninety degrees, not going to be fun. So we had a lot of yeah. a lot of a lot of nice things went our way that day. No, it was great, and and so you you guys are getting in front of the right people, and I and I loved because during that conversation, this is one of my favorite parts of the podcast. By the way, like I love getting to share these behind the scenes stories oh, with the listeners because it's not like me just interviewing you. It's like you and I have gotten to know each other a little bit yeah. since October. Um, yeah. and in that conversation, 
it was really cool because you were talking about the last mile. You're like, all right, there's yeah. this thing called the last mile that I think a lot of in the EV world people forget. Yeah. And yeah. so when someone's staying in a vacation rental, they are driving, they're charging along the way, whether it's 350 miles, 100 miles, 50 miles, whatever. They're they're using their charge. They're charging at stops along the way. But then they get to the vacation home and then they have to drive maybe three or four, maybe 10 minutes away to the next grocery store that's got a EV center, basically. And then they mm-hmm. have to sit there while everyone else is at the vacation home, unpacking and getting set up and picking out the bedrooms and you know doing all the stuff, maybe barbecuing right away. And yeah. you're just sitting there like, with your hand, you know, just twiddling yeah. your thumbs, kind of like, all right, just got to charge this freaking car um, right. for 20, 30 minutes and, and then yeah. go back. So kind of tell us like your guys' that's mission. If that's if yeah. there's a DC fast charger, which most places don't. Most vacation yeah. areas do not. Otherwise, you're getting some level two charger like what we put in and you're sitting, you know, you'll leave your car at a Walmart or something overnight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> terrible which is not right. not safe it could it could you know obviously there could be breaks in, break-ins and all, all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff that happened with that yeah. um so kind of tell me your guys mission with okay to charge and what you guys are really aiming to do um not only vacation rentals but obviously it's going to lead into multifamily into hotels you know the whole sphere of hospitality yeah you're absolutely right so so we that last mile concept is critical it's wherever people park their car and overnight that's where they expect to charge their cars. Uh, you Back in the day with internet, you'd go to internet cafes and get access, download yep. your email or something else. Um, having an EV charger where you park is going to be just as prevalent as having internet where you live. It'll be mm-hmm. just that. It, it'll be no expectation. But 2020, 2035, you can't even have gas cars sold in California and other countries. Uh, 2025, which is right on the door, Hertz is going to have yep. 25% of their cars will be electric. Uh, Hertz drivers are going to your vacation properties and they want to charge yeah. their car. They don't want to drop it off. And yeah, there I'm you one go. Of a, I'm a gold member with Hertz. So heck yeah, right? I'll be, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah. you get the Tesla three. You're like, sweet. I got a Tesla three. Uh, oh, I use my AC. I use my, or my, I use my heaters and everything else. And yep. now I'm at the third of the charge left. And what do I do? And I don't know where anything's close. No, it's going to ruin your vacation. Uh, so mm-hmm. you have to have that. And what's going to happen as well. You know, Brooke just posted this from Ventry uh, this morning. He went from 4,000 properties he's competing with to four because he had a charger and Airbnb and their wisdom and their San Francisco base. So thinking about this, EV is one of the drop downs, right? Yep. So that's key. Booking.com's there. Idris Elba's on a commercial, which I forwarded to the Verbo team, by the way. I was like, hey, guys, come on. You know, yeah. So yeah. They need to have that in the drop down. They'll get that. Tim and the team will have that soon. But it's in the amenities. So that's already amenities section. And then we... We talked to Beyond and they ran an analysis uh, and they were able to verify that by having an EV charger in the U.S., 12.8% uplift on your ADR just by having an EV charger. You know, and that's that's not us. That's Beyond saying that. Uh, So all the data points and then where we're going next, uh, we're building reservations for multifamily idle fees so that you can have and also resorts. Uh, So we're at Snowshoe. We're at another Costco property in Mexico that's doing great. You know, people are pulling in, charging up their car. We have a different yeah. model for that where they pay by the kilowatt hour versus paying by the day, like a spot day and stay. For and sure. then uh, and then on the multifamily, in, in addition, we have idle fees. So if someone parks their car, charges it, leaves it too long. Hey, these things need to churn. So get your car. We send them a text message and move on. And then uh, something big we're doing in single family 
is uh, is time of use. And this is where like the next level. So first off, just getting the car charged. But time of use is where the electrical grid is time of day. If it's between 4 and 8 p.m., maybe that's peak hours. It's going to cost you 30 cents a kilowatt hour. But maybe after midnight, it's 2 cents a kilowatt hour. So what we can do is in our software, and we already have this live, you can actually charge trickle, trickle, trickle. Comes midnight, boom. Charge up your car where, where it's the cost is least effective. And now you're doing something right for the grid. It's saving you money. All these great things. And you do it while you sleep once again. So it's well, critical. Di- dynamic pricing for EV charging is what it sounds you like. You got it. Yeah. You got yeah. it. Yeah. And it's just the uh. beginning. You know, so it's, and it, it, I throw my electrical engineer hat and I can geek out. There's something called vehicle to grid. Uh, you've probably seen this with the Ford Lightning where they can power the house mm. and Porsche Taycan and all, a lot of the cars are going to have this. Uh, chargers will have it here in the next year or so. Um, but that's where the battery of your car becomes part of your grid for your home. So if you have a solar panel or something else, you're going to charge up your car and then your car will be able to push power back in your house. And now you're going to have all these shake handshaking back and forth. So it's the next five years are going to be really exciting. Yeah, it's it's crazy. This like, oh, there's just so much that goes into like, I, I always talk about anticipation of the guest needs, right? We're always talking about how do we anticipate what the guests are going to need and and how do you stick out above the competition? And as you kind of showed, you know, Airbnb is creating this like category search vehicle right. where it's really not like people are looking people aren't booking their stays by the destination itself like oh i'm going to stay in north carolina they're actually staying by a criteria of like one is this property instagrammable am i going to be able to show this off to my friends and is it a right. cool experience right mm-hmm. um so then also is it checking off the wow factors of you know Absolutely. the amenities the hot tub the ev charging the uh, yep. the simple like check-in instructions like which should be basic now like that should be yeah. Like anyone thinking about getting on Airbnb or short-term rentals, you have to have a smart lock. Like it's just right. no, exactly. no questions asked. Yeah. Um, you know, so all this stuff. And I think, you know, the EV charging one, as much as there is hype around Tesla and Rivian and all these other kind of companies that are, are going all electric, um, right. our space is always like hospitality in general, like hotels, uh, yes. multifamily. We're always kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to innovation and the overall consumer right um so to see that this is like i don't know before meeting you and before getting introduced and kind of hearing more of the story from lino and travis and all this you know in my head i wasn't even thinking of ev as being a big thing no because i don't drive ev cars i don't have a car here in denver but um you know just not part of my life but then hearing like okay like from a business standpoint from a management company from an owner from you know the industry as a whole like okay 12.5 percent increase in adr like that's That's nice. That's nice, yeah. especially in this economy. Like yeah. we, you know, that's that's real. That's real money in your pocket. Um, so, you know, and thinking of like, uh, I always mess up the the word ancillary revenue, but like in state yeah. revenue, right? Like being able yeah. to have another source that you're not having to split with the owner. Um, right. You know, that could yep. be another big perk. So, oh, yeah. yeah, no, getting like I know we only covered okay to charge like right at the end of this podcast, but yeah, yeah, uh, I'm doing like, a terrible job as CEO. <laughs> no, it's. It's great. I think your story leading up to all this, like it, it helps. I think, you know, anyone who's listening right now, if you've gotten to this point, we're at an hour and 15 minutes as we're recording is like, yeah. okay, you know, if you got to this point, then you understand why this makes sense. Cause like you said earlier in the episode, right time with the right people doing the right thing. I think that's a huge piece. If this happened two years ago, 
do you yep. think the success would have been there? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. It could. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. the d- demand, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like having the iPhone too soon and not enough people, you know, were interested in it or maybe the iPhone created the man <laughs> bad analogy, yeah. But, but yeah, there were, there were not enough electric cars in the road and now it's, it's reached that tipping point. There's actually in the innovators dilemma, you look at from the bleeding edge. Now there's kind of early adopters. We've moved into the early adopters phase. So once you get 5% uh, penetration of any product, that's when you're off of the bleeding edge. So now we've, we've surpassed that in the U.S. Hmm. Uh, other countries are already there. And that's the other part. We, yeah. Norway just crossed the point where you have more miles driven electric than gas in Norway. Wow. Uh, and you see wow. different countries that are that are well ahead of the U.S. and we're catching up. So there's validity on multiple fronts. And then you see the tsunami of, of, uh, of opportunity coming. Uh, so that's where we're getting ahead of it. And then kind of the most important thing, though, and you mentioned it's that consumer experience. It has to be the easy button. And if there's anything I learned, whether it was in multifamily or in vacation, property managers do not need one more thing to do. You know, it has to be simple, 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 simple. You know, that's why we integrate. Everything flows through. We send the email. We collect the money. We turn it on for them. Just no more work for you. It's got to keep it that way. So to help wrap up this episode, because I, I know I don't know if you have another meeting or anything, but um, for you guys in this team, what's yes. next? What's the, what does 2023 look like for you uh, as a CEO, as a company? Um, is it more integrations? Is it starting to move into multifamily? What, what's your guys' big, yeah. your big push? Yeah, number one thing still is growth in the vacation sector. We have to, we're, you know, this, this was our coming out party this year. Yeah. You know, everyone should kind of know about us. Now it's, here's the numbers, here's the value prop. Let's not just get, you know, 10 charters in Costco. Let's get a hundred or 400. Let's not get the same thing. I yeah. trip because you name it, you know, we'll get there and, and everyone in between, you know, getting, yeah. getting just charters out there and getting the education for as many people as needed. But yes, mm-hmm. expanding the multifamily. We have some trials going right now, going outstanding. Uh, and then also hospitality and hotels. Uh, we're we're going to announce here shortly. I'm probably ahead of myself, but Oracle Hospitality. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Opera. Uh, so we're going to be yep. announcing that here shortly. And um, having some very strategic conversations with some very large hotel players. And as you can imagine, you pull up to a hotel. If I'm integrated with your property management system, I say, okay, Will is staying at this hotel, you know, Marriott, and he's already approved. And and otherwise, it's pretty popular parking lot uh, for chargers. And uh, yeah. so now we're going to say, no, only guests of this property. No one else can do that. We're the only ones that can. So we're going to be so far ahead of the curve. And we're just going to you know, grow in that space. So it's going to be hotels, multifamily, but solidify ourselves in vacation as well. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Super exciting. As yeah. a Marriott Bonvoy member myself, I can't wait for when I'm renting yeah. my Hertz car rental car to to go go plug it in. And <laughs> I am and not going to rest until that. I was literally what you described is literally a conversation I had yesterday. I was saying you need to have your Bonvoy app. You look at it. There's your EV charging. You click on it. Yep, I'm charged. Just like you open your door automatically. You know, just yeah. whoever sold them those locks. Congratulations, way to go! I want to be the I gonna be the guy that sells them the EV chargers. You know, put your Bonvoy app, go inside. You know, whether that goes extra charge or onto your folio, that's yeah. up for a process. But I'm gonna make it happen. I, I love it. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, gonna hold you to it. it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna hold you to it. Though. Like we're gonna save Good. this clip and we're gonna Good. come back in a year and be like, all right, did Good. you make it happen? Like, um, I love it. Yeah. 
I love it. Well, Eric, I, I seriously loved this conversation. This is the best way to start my mornings. Okay, um, hopping into a, a podcast and, and chatting with smart people like you and just hearing your story. It's really inspiring. And um, I just want to ask for anyone who's listening right now, what if you had one link to put in the show notes and to have them follow, whether it's okay to charge.com or your LinkedIn or whatever, uh, or it could be anything that's inspired you in the past. If you had one link to send them, what would it be? Oh, just one link. One well, link. well, obviously it's, it's with everything, but yeah, follow me on LinkedIn and then, and then uh, connect with, uh, you know, LinkedIn, Eric Broughton, um, you know, follow, and then of course follow, okay, to charge uh, my favorite book and a person that I, that I just really uh, value and have a lot of uh, uh, my mind share as far as how I manage is Ray Dalio. Uh, and the book is called yeah. principles. And I think it just is a brilliant way, whether it's this concept of radical transparency for your teams or, you know, giving validity to everyone has great ideas, but the person at the table that has the most validity to their idea, they get a weighting to that. Mm-hmm. So there's just a lot of concepts uh, that I would highly recommend the book Principles by Ray Dalio. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, again, thank you so much, Eric, for being on the show today. And for all of you slick talkers who are watching, listening, all the above, make sure you like and subscribe to everything okay to charge. Eric Broughton, you name it, anything that we covered in this episode, make sure you're uh, showing the love because there, there's quite a few of you out there that uh, do tune into the show. So we appreciate every single one of you and we'll see you all again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week.